0: radio tmi where leaders talk this podcast is recorded for toastmasters international where leaders are made leaders play a fundamental role in shaping the future of the organizations they lead here in toastmasters we consistently and continuously work on improving our quality of leadership learning and practicing good leadership practices sets us apart and the most rewarding outcome is that we are able to apply these transferable skills into our real world the most desirable addition to effective leadership is the application of emotional intelligence this is our ability to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically my name is wendy kumalo i'm from accenture toastmasters club in waterfall Midrand, and welcome to this podcast episode organizations such as toastmasters international or general businesses sometimes struggle with low productivity staff loyalty or member retainment, conflict resolution, and in some cases of profit organizations, it could be revenue decline they're battling with or hostile working environments. These struggles may be as a result of lack of leadership efficiency, interpersonal skills, or deficiency in emotional intelligence. Fellow Toastmasters and friends, not only... Does our organization create leaders and speakers? It also grooms change catalysts that are disruptors of industries. I am talking about mindset disruptors of leaders and teams. As I unpack the topic of emotional intelligence in this episode, I'm excited to introduce my podcast guest today. She specializes in neurolinguistic programming, emotional intelligence, and balances theory with practical solutions. She has been a Toastmaster for 10 years, and in 2017, she founded her own training and coaching company, Y-Connect. Yoki Van Damme has trained more than 1,700 specialists and provides thought leadership on entrepreneur.com, Radio Today, and Mix FM. If she's not training, speaking or coaching, you can find her having a glass of red wine with her husband, Etienne, hiking up a mountain or jumping into a waterfall. She is indeed an enthusiastic person and I'm so happy to have her as my guest today. Welcome to this podcast series.
1: Thank you so much, Vangundi. It's lovely to be here.
0: Now, I know you have been in Toastmasters for 10 years that's remarkable. Can you please describe your experience in this wonderful organization? I remember the very
1: first day that I that I visited a club in Pretoria and I met one of the best mentors I ever had. His name was the late Vic Brits. A lot of people in District 74 knew him exceptionally well and... I was just inspired by the amount of positivity and people putting so much effort in preparation of their speeches. So, what happened, what inspired me to actually join Toastmasters was I was on a presentation skills course um, working for Pearson Publishers. I was utterly frustrated with my career. And then I saw this lady who spoke about climbing Everest seven times and some of the highest summits in the world. And she came back and she would speak on self-discipline and a lot of um, self-lessons that she had actually learned in the process. And she would be sponsored by corporates. And she was called a keynote speaker. And I fell off my chair and said, wow, there's a career that would incorporate the drama that I did in high school and it's not as hard to, um, to get an income in that way versus being an actress and getting a role on Stephen Alon or something, you know. <laughs> so, so the dream grew of actually getting into speaking, training, and coaching. And I spoke to this lady and I said, so how do you do what you do? And she said, there's no formal route, but perhaps check out Toastmasters. So the next week, there I was. And
0: I never turned back. Wow. And how have you found your growth to be? I mean, you stayed for 10 years. What kept you in the organization?
1: I was very frustrated being in a sales role. I always felt that my talents would be better suited to speaking and training. And what I'd found at Toastmasters, it gave me the opportunity to grow the speaking skill. I eventually became a TLI trainer. So when I moved to Johannesburg, I could actually train of the different divisions that I didn't have access to when I was in Pretoria. So I felt it was almost like a second job that I never had the opportunity to do full time. And I know that you are having the same experience. And then also on the leadership side, I felt a sense of fulfillment where you could um, offer mentorship to people, you could lead a team, you could come up with creative ideas. For instance, we Arranged about two different conferences while I was in Pretoria. We did the Mexicon when I was in Joburg. I was involved with the Starcon conference. So it gave you a lot of PR experience, marketing experience, things that a a regular role at work might not have given me. Absolutely. Yeah, so that was really, for me, it was actually opening up worlds to be like, there could be more to your work life than just what you've always done. And then getting the tools together to actually go into, into that profession. So eventually what I found is when I finally applied to become a sales trainer, a, um, a former boss of mine created a job for me. And it was all based on Toastmasters experience of training for years and years and years through Toastmasters. So it provided that case study
0: experience for me. How did you transition from being a sales and marketing consultant to being an exceptional change catalyst that you are today?
1: So while I was working at Entrepreneur Magazine, I realized that I needed now to to actually get the skills to get into coaching. So in 2012, I enrolled for NLP practitioners course, which was, I think, roughly eight to nine months it was a very intense, internationally accredited every second weekend, and you had to have practice sessions during the week so in that environment, I actually learned a lot of coaching skills that I could apply in the facilitation environment as well, and that I'm still using today and Then what I started doing as I was advancing through the advanced manual through toastmasters i I did projects like the professional speaker, the facilitation manual and Through doing those projects, for instance, doing brainstorming sessions, the nominal group technique, there was dealing with hostile audiences, it actually gave you a proper brief and an assignment that you had to do. So I started volunteering at my business to do some of the training that I'd already done at Toastmasters. So I started training them NLP skills in the sales environment and then when that boss of mine that knew that I had this experience left, he created a sales job for me at his company. So there I was mostly giving sales training, soft skills training, and that really gave me the full-time work experience now. And from there, um, after being there for a few years, I created my own business, taking the courses that I developed myself and putting that out into the marketplace.
0: Yes, Y Connect is an amazing company that Yorki founded and is doing exceptionally well in. You are a trainer, you train leaders, teams and individuals, but not only do you do that, you also are an NLP life and business coach and a public speaker as well, which makes you my ultimate role model, by the way. How do you do it, Jorki? What motivates you? For me,
1: it's about, I think the reason why this company was created is to bring change. So when I started NLP, it was all about how do you bring change in organizations from the inside out? So for me, if I can bring change, even if it starts with one person, it ripples out. And that actually creates huge shifts in performance, behavior, leadership and teams. So when I do the work of businesses, it's all about creating those connections and helping people grow and change their mindsets and actually seeing those ripples. And that's really what motivates me. So whether it's actually reaching one person in the training room that decides today I'm going to stop being a victim, then I feel like I've done my job well. So I um, I have this beautiful story while I was still at Trader, This one lady came to me seven months after we did a conflict resolution seminar between various departments. And it was all about getting over codependence, not staying a victim, not necessarily rescuing other people, but creating a win-win situation. And she said to me, all her family relationships had changed. In the past, she had to raise her brothers and sisters because her parents died while she was still young. And she was paying for their UNISA study. She was really looking after them and they were abusing her. So she started putting up boundaries and actually also looking after her own needs. And she started having so much more of a fulfilling life. And that was... That amazing testimony for me, you know, it wasn't just the course offered to a company, it made a change holistically in someone else's family life as well.
0: Wow, you are truly making a change in people's lives. I myself am a testimony of that. Now tell me, why did you choose to specialize in emotional intelligence? For me, emotional intelligence is a crucial part of
1: being a good leader and bringing team dynamics into the business environment. So I'm very passionate about the work of Patrick Lencioni, and he wrote a book called The Ideal Team Player. And he spoke about the ideal team player as someone that's humble, hungry, and smart. And the smart refers to emotionally intelligent smart. So how do you react towards people? How do you pick up on moods in a room? And what I noticed while I was still working in corporate is that there were so many unemotionally intelligent people in the work environment that would take out their anger on people, that would start shouting when I was doing coaching in the sales environment or we'd go to car dealerships. Um the the CEO or the dealer principal would just start shouting at people, even if there was clients in there. And in there I just noticed How the moment you go into fight and flight mode and you don't manage your emotions, how things very quickly escalate and how damaging that can be on your business. I realize, you know, sometimes people think it's fluffy. It's not. It makes a radical impact on your business and your profit lines. And if people feel happier in business and their leaders are more emotionally intelligent, and there's staff that can be so much more productive and willing to work together. So I find it to be a very important component in business.
0: Emotional intelligence is also known as emotional leadership. I love the term, Berta. And this is how well we are able to understand and recognize our own emotions than those of others, like you mentioned, Yogi. In knowing how to do that effectively, we become skilled in distinguishing between different feelings and being able to allocate them accordingly. One of the things I love about emotional intelligence is that once you start applying it, you are able to guide your thinking and behavior. Then ultimately, you become proficient enough to adjust or manage your emotions in order to adapt to environments, or simply achieve goals. Yoki, what have you found to be the worst display of lack of emotional intelligence in your working experience?
1: Well, people bursting out in a um, fume of anger. So actually shouting at staff in front of customers. I um, saw that at quite a few dealerships while I was coaching the auto trader salespeople and that was really shocking to me. I also saw that in um, corporate work environments. And sometimes even people, when someone is being emotional, I saw a lady burst out in tears and no one had empathy with her or actually went to check if she's okay. So in NLP, there's a saying, it says, the value of the communication lies not in the positive intent, but in the response it elicits. So your value of communication doesn't lie in what you were intending but the response you get. So if someone bursts out in tears or they're furious or whatever, you need to do everything in your power to communicate, to calm them down or see things from your point of view. But what people tend to do is when someone attacks, they attack right back. So when the moment they're going through their reptilian brain, they immediately see that as a threat and they start doing that as well. So originally... When I was just married, me and my husband even struggled with that, where you know one person would be upset and the other person would attack back and run out of the room <laughs> <laughs> to a point where we had to eventually go like, "Okay, this wasn't nice what you've done. Can you explain what you what your intent behind it was, and then the person would say, "I'm really sorry." I didn't mean that this was the whole story and we would focus much more on the solutions and decide not to run into the negative and immediately be out on the attack. But so so few people in corporate are willing to get to that point. They immediately take offense, write someone off, and a, an entire relationship is ruined, and this even happens with clients. So how do you calm yourself down to, even if something is upsetting Being curious and asking them, you know, what is the reasoning behind this? Or what do you mean? I could take this offensive, but what do you really mean? Let's find a win-win solution around it. So it takes a bit of practice to get there. So I recently struggled with that same thing where I felt attacked by a client, misinterpreted, and I had to go offline, calm myself down, take a day not respond on email, rather do a phone call. So if you just get into the worst display of emotional intelligence is people fighting over social media hmm. where they start swearing and these racist slurs and politics and all of that just completely getting out of hand.
0: And that is a bad impact on their personal brand and their business as well. Absolutely. I've seen such situations, especially on the Twitter platform, uh, where people backlash, even leaders, even our country's leaders fall in the trap of lack of emotional intelligence display on social media. And with this age that we live in, anything that's on the internet that is put up on the Internet remains there for a long time and it could hunt your future. So it's really important to navigate around that and make better decisions.
1: And the moment you lose it in any platform, whether it's online or in person, people lose this, lose respect for you. So whether it's anger or you're feeling overwhelmed or in whatever way you show it, There's some techniques that you can actually use to calm yourself down to stay professional. And that's what emotional intelligence is about. Noticing like, I'm going there. (laughs) Let me calm myself down. Let me not go down that rabbit hole.
0: Right. There's a report from... The Center for Creative Leadership that states that 75% of careers are derailed for reasons related to emotional competences, which include the inability to handle interpersonal problems, unsatisfactory team leadership during times of conflict, difficulty that have a strong negative effect on the working environment. In your emotional intelligence course for leaders, you teach five key areas of emotional intelligence, which include personal branding, managing your state, communication, professionalism, and healthy relationships. I'm curious to know how personal branding correlates with emotional intelligence. How do the two work together?
1: So your personal brand is all about what do other people say about you when you've left the room? Hmm. In my training, I I'll, I'll allow people to do quite a few exercises where they determine, so let's say, for instance, you are applying for a job. There are various ways in, in which people could sum up what they think of you. So sometimes people go for one or two interviews and um, in that time frame, the the panel of judges kind of need to decide, are we going to be employing you full-time? It's going to cost the company so much per annum. Is this person worth it? So um, in many ways, if you're looking at your personal brand, they could be looking at things like your social media, so your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn. They could be looking at... What is your, um, your style and manner like, the kind of words you use? What's the presence you bring across? So if they're asking, if they're asking highly emotive questions, do you immediately get derailed? Hmm. Do you get aggressive in the interview? Or what does your values look like? So all of those kinds of things, they're going to make a snap judgment on your personal brand after you've left. And they could even go and read reviews on various platforms of yours, they could even phone people that know you and ask about you. You know, that's why they do the reference check. So what do those people, how, do, how would they summarize you in one word? And if you can be more intentional about your personal brand, how can you strategically put that message out in the world? So specifically, um, for instance, in leadership training, we speak about, you know, how are you going to get your team to respect you. And where the emotional intelligence comes in, that could be about having a positive attitude, being well-prepared, doing good time management, following through on your word. So those people are literally going to make snap judgments on, is what Wendy is saying, is she going to do it or is she not going to do it, based on the evidence that they've seen. And as a leader, you need to strategically decide How do I want to behave and how do I want to make them feel? And that's also where the emotional intelligence comes in. So when there's a tough situation and, you know, someone is doing something in your club that you're not happy about, you need to give them feedback, but rather do it on their own than in front of a group where they're being shamed and embarrassed. And all of those things is really where emotional intelligence comes
0: in. So all those behaviors that we exert into our environments build who we are to other people, and that's our personal brand. Yes.
1: So as, um, as a Toastmaster, as a leader, as a facilitator, you need to consciously work on how you respond to people. So it could be over WhatsApp, Facebook, email. Are you quick to respond? Are you slow to respond? Do you swear? Do you use good punctuation? Do people feel uplifted? What is the feeling that they get when they are interacting with you? Because that's the message that they would give to other people, could open up job opportunities, references,
0: or opportunities of being interviewed on a podcast, for instance. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I love how you linked it into our Path and Toastmasters. Because we are a community and in this community, we do the work that we do with our hearts. We give our hearts, we do it free, we do it voluntarily so. So it's easy for us to lose ourselves in emotion and it's easy for us to derail our personal brand and be seen as something we wouldn't like to be seen as. So it's really important to apply those emotional intelligence skills in building our personal burns, who we are in this community. Oftentimes we struggle with managing our own state as well. And I guess this is natural to our bodies and minds, especially in situations of conflict and misunderstandings. Our mind just switches to fight or flight mode. I used to be passionate about debate back in high school and my mind was always on fight mode. It was hard for me to be in terms with other people's opinions or certain feelings that they have. I guess this might resonate with some leaders as well. Or perhaps they go on fight flight mode instead of fight mode. It is something that happens unconsciously within us. Have you ever battled with managing your state as well? It is something that you have to constantly be aware
1: of, especially in the professional environment. So um, something that someone that inspired me a lot was Donny Roo. He was also an old Tice master. And while we were doing our practice sessions for NLP... I used to be exhausted working for Entrepreneur Magazine at that stage, and I would get to the practice session super exhausted, and they would say, do you want to be the facilitator or the meta or the client? And I would never want to actually take the lead and try out NLP process work, because I was just being that victim and deciding that I'm tired and I don't possibly want to go through any more emotional trauma in my day. (laughs) Until one day, and he said to me, this is the last time that you're using that excuse. The next time, go take a shower, drink a coffee, go for a jog, whatever you need to do to change your state and choose to come and be present here. So ever since then, specifically to do with training, If you know you're going to be training for an entire day or you're doing a big talk, you need to ensure that you've slept well. So you need to put a certain routine into place. Make sure that you have the right water, food, you know, process for yourself and routine that can actually access the correct state for you. And if there's things that derail you, put off your cell phone. Take an hour out before the time to just get into a good mood. So um, music usually works, so upbeat music or happy music, try to find things that actually feeds your soul. I sometimes do morning pages, whether it's religious studies, all of those kinds of things actually helps me as well to just center myself and get into the right place.
0: Absolutely. So it's really important to control our state and and be aware of how our moods play out into the world and how others see us. If we are more in control of our state, then we reach a capacity of emotional intelligence. Effective communication sets us apart as leaders. And it's also a very important aspect of emotional intelligence. Being good communicators builds trust in our leadership and it creates a great working environment, whether you're in Toastmasters, at work, even at home. How can leaders learn how to communicate in a way that brings unity to their teams?
1: Understanding that the filters that you use when you make meaning are very different than the way that other people will be interpreting what you're saying. So when people misunderstand what you're saying, not immediately jumping on the back foot, but asking them to explain to you what what was the meaning that they received. So sometimes when you're actually chatting to a person, you'll understand that they've had a past experience that triggered them in a specific way. In their culture, certain things works in certain ways their language, maybe it could have something to do with their gender, their um, religious experience. So all of those different things has a huge impact on how we experience communication. And if you're speaking to a team of 10 or 20, every one of them is going to get a different message than what you're saying. So you have to keep on communicating until they get what you're saying. And the only way to know if they're understanding what you're saying, is checking in with them, asking them what do they understand or asking more and more questions to see if the picture that they're making in their mind is similar to the picture that you have in your mind. And that is really when your communication is clear.
0: How do you make that work in a diverse environment, considering cultural differences, beliefs and values?
1: It's very important to... Profile your audience. So if you are going to be speaking at, um, for instance, at a club like Forum Toastmasters in Pretoria, I think, I don't know if they've allowed women in there yet, but at stage, (laughs) they were mostly just men. Then your message might have to be more male-orientated or sports-orientated. But if you can look at the different age groups, potential interests, And try to find a commonality that you could speak about or metaphors that you could use. You could make sure that you're actually hitting different spots with a group. So sometimes actually looking at if it's an older audience, maybe it could be a certain TV series that was playing or when a specific movie came out, like Star Wars, for instance, using that as an analogy. So really profiling
0: and understanding your audience helps a lot. So knowing the audience, knowing who you're communicating with can help you understand them better. And
1: that's where you would connect with them. So if you're speaking to a bunch of auditors, having sales examples is not going to help them. You would need to speak into their environment. So really adapting to whatever audience you are speaking to.
0: Your emotional intelligence skills are really, really showing your key and your experience In NLP, in coaching, in training is really playing out into this interview. I know that healthy relationships improve productivity in any space, in professional lives and in private lives. And it connects us to each other, ensuring that we remain emotionally ready and emotionally strong around each other. As you have worked as a coach corporates providing training sessions as well. Have you found healthy working relationships to be a trend? Not really. Oh, no. (laughs) So, what
1: you are finding is people people tend to do a lot of emotional abuse. There's a lot of, especially in the bigger companies, there's a lot of politics Mm -hmm. happening and people talking behind each other's backs. So, it's all about what what I mean by healthy relationships means that you're not walking over people or saying, my, ha- my way or the highway, I win, you lose. Or you're being the victim and you're like, it's fine. Just do it to me. I'll just do whatever you want kind of mentality. Or what most managers do is they rescue. So they'll be like, don't fight, guys. I'll just take over this work. And what you'll often find is the VPE in a club context could be that rescuer. Or the president, that just often just people would not pitch up to um to speak and they would have to keep, <clears throat> keep on rescuing. But eventually they burn out and they can't mm. handle it anymore. So what a healthy relationship is about, and that's what boundaries is about, is creating a win-win. So saying, this is our rules of engagement. If you've signed up to do a speech, and you um you've cancelled in less than forty eight hours beforehand then you will only get a slot in three meetings' time or whatever it might be so so that to kind of put up boundaries so that people don't abuse the privilege of also doing things at your club, for instance, so um in the business environment what you often find with clients is people just want to negotiate discounts. Clients want to walk over service providers. So I found as an entrepreneur, you constantly need to navigate that, put up your boundaries and um, create that win-win situation and say to them, okay, how do we meet each other halfway? What right. will be the the good win-win situation here? Because otherwise you're sitting with resentment.
0: Hmm. So ultimately working together in harmony. Definitely. Because um,
1: even at a company with a leader with leaders and teams, the way that leader leads that team, the staff could either decide to work with them or leave the company, which could have a really negative impact on your productivity. Productivity cost, everything.
0: Right now, how can leaders build healthy relationships with their teams? So by always negotiating
1: and seeing where do they meet each other halfway? So actually speaking about what is their vision? What are their objectives? What do they want to achieve? What are their expectations? And asking for feedback from the team to also hear what's unrealistic expectations and what is realistic. So sometimes uh, I've seen at many companies with sales teams, they would have unrealistic expectations of sales targets and it leaves the sales team entirely demotivated so what is what is that win-win how do they meet each other halfway i think that is the question they need to ask each other
0: right what piece of advice would you give toastmasters clubs in relation to healthy relationships within the club
1: so creating healthy boundaries so putting rules in place or almost like a code of conduct for your own club to say if if we commit to do something, we will follow through on it, and if I can't, I'll have to find a replacement. Hmm. So even if it's even if they can't find a speaker from your club, can they get a speaker from another club or an evaluator from another club? So are they these are just ideas, but are there ways that there's a bit of pushback where it's not just the committee? And especially the vpe that has to scramble around and stress out about these things where the rest of the club can also be a bit innovative and find solutions to the problems they themselves have created so that is just an idea but coming up with how how are we going to decide about this so if you are a little bit more firm about your commitments and you know that there are going to be repercussions if you don't follow through on them then you're much slower to commit or you you make sure <laughs> that you do what you've said. You actually prioritize and plan. And that's really maybe where mentorship can come in as well. I found great mentorship through um, the late Vic Brits. And he would always encourage me and say, if you are going to be doing a speech at least a week beforehand, start writing it so that you can still see your mentor and practice.
0: Mm, those are beautiful insights fellow toastmasters. I hope you are inspired because from this Yoki, I am learning that not only it is the leader's duties to apply those emotional intelligence practices but also members and people that they lead in the team should be able to put themselves in a position to build those healthy relationships too. So not just hand it over to the president or the vice president education, but also be a part of that leadership.
1: Definitely. And it's all about understanding um, Maya Angelou said, people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Right. So if you are just dumping your things on the vice president education, how's that going to make it feel? But also, in the way you deal with them is going to have an impact on whether they'll stay in the club or not. But boundaries are really important so that people don't also abuse the leadership.
0: Absolutely. And that was, that was actually the first lesson I learned in the Pathways Mentorship Program when I was preparing to be a mentor. One of the most fundamental things to do is set boundaries. And I didn't really think this applies to club leadership because as a leader, you think, I'm supposed to compromise. I'm supposed to do whatever it takes to make sure that my club is led in the right direction. But learning that actually emotional intelligence can be applied by the whole team. Because in a club, we're not just members and leaders. We are a team. We all make a success of our club. And therefore, it's really important for all of us to apply emotional intelligent practices to make sure that our membership in Toastmasters International is valuable and worthwhile.
1: What is interesting as a leader is actually delegating tasks. So if you can get to that point where if a person can't make it, delegate the task to them to find the replacement and to do the briefing or whatever it is. So when people come to you with a problem, allow them Come to you with a solution.
0: The greatest ability in business and leadership is to get along with others and influence their actions. This is a quote by John Hancock, and indeed, this applies to our Toastmasters environment. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I was very excited to talk to you. And now that I have had all your insights and experiences and the thoughts you've shared with us. I'm more than happy to share this with the rest of our Toastmasters community. Thank you so much for making time for this podcast, Yoki. It was a
1: wonderful being here, Wendy. Thank you so much for your time and all of the wonderful things you're doing
0: for Toastmasters. <laughs> it is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. Well, you have had it from Yoki Fun Dumb fellow Toastmasters, and you've had it from me as well. To know more about Yuki Van business, Why Connect? Please click on the link in the description below and her biography will be attached as well. Like I said, she's a phenomenal woman, a change catalyst and a mindset disruptor. For more podcasts like this, visit the link on the description. Our podcast channel name is radio tmi where leaders talk the new and exciting podcast and radio station by toastmasters international district 74 please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your fellow toastmasters and friends and follow our facebook page at radio tmi where leaders talk